0: It is Pentecost Sunday and today we hear the story in the witness of scripture of Pentecost Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 13 when the day of Pentecost had come they were all together in one place and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem and at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native tongue of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, They are filled with new wine. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Well, you're in for a different kind of sermon this morning. I wanted you to get uh, to know Matthew and Joy and Ethan up close and personal. So, this seems to be a tradition that Wayne Curry started at Trinity when I came to be uh, his successor and and pastor here, that we had a little interview time together uh, that turned into a sermon, actually. So, Matthew, uh, they had a dinner last night uh, with our staff parish relations committee, and uh, they got to know them a little bit, and uh, I want to know, where did you grow up? sort of a pre-history uh, to being here, and and what is uh, maybe your favorite childhood memory?
2: Okay, sure. Uh, first I want to thank the, the church and Susan Kohler, the Staff Parish Relations Committee, of course, Ramona and you for your hospitality, and Bryant for the beautiful music this morning. That was very moving. Um, well, sure. I grew up right north of Auburn, Alabama, in a very small town in Alabama called Valley, Alabama. If You may have heard of Opelika, Alabama. So basically Opelika, Alabama, just a few more miles north than that. And um, grew up there, loved the outdoors. My favorite childhood memory would be there's a lake about an hour and a half from where I grew up called Lake Ufala. And our family went there every spring break. Our whole extended family took campers down there and we camped and we fished and we uh, had fish fries and, and, you know, spent time in the boat and had a wonderful time. Uh, So that would be a favorite childhood memory. And, of course, Christmas Eve dinners at my grandmother's house is something I'll always cherish. So how did you enjoy meat? Well, joy is the best thing in my life. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, She is now, she will be tomorrow, and she always will be. Uh, We we preachers share that sort of reality. But Joy and I met in college. We both began our college careers in Charleston, South Carolina, and she was in an English 102 class uh, with me. And I met her through someone in her home church. I went to play the piano for a children's choir up in Columbia, South Carolina. And this lady walked up to me at this event and said, you know, there's a girl in our church that goes to Charleston Southern University as well, and her name is Joy. You should go meet her. I said, oh, okay. Uh, Long story short, I ended up having a summer internship at that church where that woman approached me, and that was Joy's home church up in Greenwood, South Carolina. So I went back to Charleston and sought her out the next time we had class, and I said, are you Joy Douglas? Do you go to this church? And she was like, are you a freak? Like, how do you, how do you know all of this about me? Um, and th- we were dating other people, but throughout that summer when I was in. that we love the most and appreciate God's grace in that.
1: Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, So let's shift gears just a little bit. Um, Tell us uh, something that nobody in this room knows about you.
2: Uh, I love boiled peanuts.
1: (laughs) Watch out, you're going to get buckets of them.
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh, I can make a very mean uh, cast iron skillet uh, Pan of cornbread with a thick, with the thick crust. bacon grease crust on it. Yeah. Can do that. Uh, uh, fish fries, fish fries. But I would say what no one would know is that I'm like a master oyster shucker. So if uh, you have an event where you're having an oyster roast or anything like that, you can call me up and I'll come and and shuck those oysters for you. I Actually enjoy doing it. So <laughs> that's a gift. Not many people can do that. <laughs> I'm telling you. Um,
1: I know that you love mission work and it's a part of who you are. Share with us uh, some of your mission experiences, some of the favorite missions that you've been involved with. Sure. Uh,
2: the first one uh, was in high school I went to Beverly, Kentucky to work with a mission group called the Redbird Mission up in Appalachia, and we helped repair homes uh, A persons whose running water was a water ho- hose coming through the kitchen window and wallpaper was newspapers that had been taped up on the wall. Um, that that was very eye opening to me. Uh, Joy and I were apart uh, after we had met. We went and did mission work in Jalapa, Mexico, which is a very beautiful part of part of Mexico. We went one time to uh, demolish a dilapidated church building and went back the second time to build it again, uh, a new one. And um, uh, we've been involved in a number of international. Uh, missions. I was on the board of Twelve Churches Nicaragua, which is a ministry birthed out of CalArn, uh, for seven or eight years, and have been to Nicaragua fifteen times, and uh, very involved there in pastoral training and pastoral conferences for the for the twelve pastors that are a part of that uh, in Nicaragua. Uh, most recently, over the last five years, I've been involved with Zoe Empowers and serve on their board. And it, it's really uh, cemented, in my mind, a new model of mission, which is an empowerment model where you um, help people help themselves uh, so that your charity doesn't become toxic in the long run and they can have live, you know, vibrant and sustainable lives by learning life skills, beginning businesses, supporting themselves, and, and to see the excitement that comes from that and how it branches out in their communities is uh, incredible. When I first went to Rwanda, for the first time, I met a young man named Jean-Paul who was living under a tree. He was an orphan. Uh, His parents had abandoned him. And Zoe's model doesn't let me pick up Jean-Paul and take him to town and buy him a place to live and feed him, right? I have to get to know Jean-Paul and then teach him how to do it on his own. So it was very frustrating at first. Uh, But embracing that model and going back three years later, met up with Jean-Paul He had a great business he was dressed to the nines and he had just finished building his home and uh, so we have pictures with him inside the house that he built on his own with the money that he made on his own and um, he employs other people in his community it's an an incredible program so Um, congratulations you just graduated
1: with your doctorate from emory my alma mater and I knew you did some extensive study in, in the U.K. and in Manchester in theology. Share, share with us maybe your favorite Wesleyan hymn.
2: Uh, well, Wesley was a great hymn writer. My favorite Wesleyan hymn, though, is, is one called Come, O Thou Traveler Unknown. Uh, and it's my favorite because if you look in the hymnal, it's got like 85 verses to it. <laughs> so I've never sung the whole thing. Uh, but in the music part of the hymnal, it's only got, I think, four. And in those four verses, it is really a story of the wrestling of Jacob uh, from the book of Genesis. And um, it, st- it starts with, with, th- with these words, Come, O thou traveler unknown, whom still I hold but cannot see. My company before is gone, and I am left alone with thee. With thee all night, I mean to stay and wrestle till the break of day. So it, it reminds me of really my journey into ministry where I was doing that wrestling and mm-hmm. that fighting. Uh, you know, and it's a lot like Jacob, Jacob's life. But he ends up at the end, uh, it ends up occurring to him and the spirit awakens in him that, that God is universal love. Mm-hmm. Right. And then everything changes for him. All the all the wrestling and all the pain and all the strife he had gone through, uh, it just he wakes up to a new day and says, "Tis love, tis love, thou diest for me. I hear thy whisper in my heart. The morning breaks, the shadows flee. Tis universal love, thou art to me. To all thy mercies prove thy nature and thy name is love." So it's it's meaningful to me because. God is love, uh, God's name is love, and that love is universal.
1: Thank you, Matthew. Um, so today is Pentecost Sunday. We've got a big dove up at the altar upstairs. I didn't bring it down because the cane pole it's flying on won't fit <laughs> under uh, at this roof, but it... Uh, it reminds us of the Holy Spirit. Share with us just uh, briefly, what does Pentecost mean to you? Why do we celebrate it in the church?
2: Well, Pentecost is important to me and is meaningful to me in, in this way, uh, Wayne, because we can sit here in this space this morning and share this interview, and everyone sitting here that I can tell is understanding what we're saying. Uh, I, can, I can I can proclaim to these persons and to you that God is universal love, and they 'll understand what that means there 's no confusion and the gift of the spirit coming at Pentecost is a gift of of communication because we read in Acts that there are people from all over the place that were very different, looked different, sounded different, different languages, and they all heard the gospel in their own native tongue so it's it 's a gift of communication and it's a gift of God's love reinforcing that God is the creator of, of diversity and made us all different but yet his love brings us together. And to think that the spirit that hovered over the creation uh, uh, over the creation, the spirit that um, that came in, in Jesus's baptism, uh, the spirit that sets the captives free, that uh, gives freedom to the brokenhearted, recovering of sight to the blind. That same spirit um, teaches us how to talk to each other, mm-hmm. how to love each other. When our children are baptized, that spirit's in the water. When we share this meal, the spirit is among us in these elements of bread and wine. Uh, that, that's Pentecost. It's a life. It's an ongoing life of the spirit and a life of understanding.
1: Thank you so much, Matthew, and uh, uh, thanks for sharing your story with us this morning. Um, Just as a a footnote, when uh, we were in Israel together maybe four or five years ago now uh, celebrating Matthew's ordination, he and Joy were there, and I had totally lost my voice. We were in uh, the upper room. And I, I, I knew that Matthew and Joy sang, and so I asked them if they would sub in for me and sing in this very room, which we have heard in, in this church uh, many times before. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all of us and for all the world. And that's what our meal is about this morning. So we invite you. We're going to do an abbreviated uh, liturgy. And then we'll invite you to come to the table.